Hey guys, Jack here. Hope you guys are all doing well. We're releasing another episode today that was potentially going to be on the subscription site coming from Solve4Y. It's not going to be, but it is sort of in the same style of what we are going to be putting out for them. Uh, Although that, what will ultimately come out is going to have a little bit of a twist. But yeah, this hand comes from a somewhat recent Poker After Dark session uh, featuring Matt himself. Uh, It's a really interesting hand. I think you guys will really enjoy it. If you are interested in beta testing uh, the training site, please shoot an email to applications at solveforyacademy.com. There's a link for that in the show notes. Uh, Send them an email with the subject beta test training site uh, to sign up, and then they will take it from there. Mentioned last week that I was selling action for the World Series of Poker. Uh, I am sold out at the moment, but there will be future opportunities to invest in uh, my tournament action this summer. If you are interested in hearing about those, please shoot me an email at jack at justhandspoker.com, and I will put you on a list of future investors and shoot you guys a message as more investment opportunities arise. All right. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and enjoy this week's episode. All right. Just Hands here, Jack and Zach, talking about a Poker After Dark hand. This is from the Dead Money session, which was an absolutely brutal Poker After Dark session for our man, Matt. I actually thought he played extremely well, and you know, we just wanted to talk about a few of the spots where he made some interesting plays. Of course, it didn't work out for him, as basically nothing in this session did. But yeah, this is Poker After Dark, Dead Money, Day 2. Uh, for those of you who want to... Watch the episode or rewatch the hand. This is coming in at about the one hour and 22 minute mark. Yeah, let's get into it. So Billy O'Neill opens to 2,500. This is a straddle pot, and we are seven-handed. We're playing two 400, so with an $800 straddle. Folds to Dr. Sean Dempsey on the button with 6-5 suited, and he folds. So, Zach, I'm curious just what, what you think about that fold on the button. Does it say how deep he is? It doesn't say in this exact hand. But I think if you're a doctor in this game and you're likely playing you know, without a skill edge and maybe you're somewhat aware of that and you have some incredibly aggressive players behind you, including Berkey in the big blind and Garrett or G-Man in the straddle, I think folding this hand is very reasonable to do. If I were him kind of in this spot, you know, my mind kind of took over for a second, I would probably say fold this most of the time and raise it some percentage of the time. Yeah, I think with with O'Neal playing a pretty tight range, I think there's a case for flatting uh, just because I'm not expecting O'Neal to have a ton of 6x and 5x and we're going to be last to act post-flop most of the time. Stanley is not like a huge three better uh stanley Choi, who's in the small blind and i think we know that matt has a tendency for wanting to play post flop so i think you get to see a lot of flops with this hand probably wouldn't fold i think what you're saying about him being a doctor in this game of you know a few professionals is true but that's probably something you have to consider more so before you start playing the game than once you're in the game so i i think it, it's a spot where call fold and raise are all pretty reasonable but i think Fold is probably a little bit nitty, and it's definitely the least fun. 
Anyway, Sean folds Stanley, calls with the queen four of spades in a small blind. It goes without saying that all the players know that Stanley is just playing really way too wide pre-flop. So I actually think Matt has an interesting decision pre-flop. Just a little recap on Billy O'Neill's pre-flop play. He's been, I think, by far the tightest player at the table. And Matt has, I guess, the image that Matt normally has, if not slightly worse, because he's just been losing so much. So, Zach, Matt with the A6 of clubs here, call fold or three bet? Never, never folding in this spot. And I think three betting would be pretty poor. Uh, so we have O'Neill, professional raising under the gun. And then we have one of the bigger, if not the biggest spots in this game, calling in the small blind. So we're going to want to see a lot of pots, especially having positional advantage against Choi. So I think by three betting, we make it pretty unlikely that Choi will continue along. And then we have to play a pot out of position against a pretty strong range with a hand that plays decently as a three bet. But I just think it plays much better as a call. When you have a suited ace and you get to see kind of a bigger multi-way pot uh, and you're this deep, there's a lot of value in overflushing someone. So the deeper you are, I think the the more I tend to flat suited aces. And I think this is a, a case where I feel like calling is going to be by far the best play. I think there's an argument that three betting could be plus EV. But given Matt's image uh, at this point in the session and the specific spot, I think calling is by far the best option. Yeah, I totally agree. I think... It's interesting, but it's very clear that calling is best. We're very incentivized to keep Stanley in the pot because not only is Stanley playing way too wide of a range, but Matt is also much deeper with Stanley than he is with Billy O'Neill. We'll get stack sizes post-flop. They'll they'll appear. We're watching the hand along with our play, and so we'll get him to do as soon as possible. But just for now, know that Matt is much deeper with Stanley and with Garrett, who is... I guess likely to come in with a lot of hands from the straddle. Many of those will be suit-dominated by Matt, and some of them will be dominated in other ways. So I think this is, I agree, this is a very clear call. Garrett is in the straddle. So 1,700 to see a flop with 10K in the pot. Uh, he has jack-7 of hearts. It's a spot where you're going to complete. So I think this is a spot where... You know, three betting would be really minus EV, and folding would be a huge mistake given the odds he's getting in. Uh, he's closing the action, gets to see a flop, and G-Man agrees, and he completes. So now we're seeing a flop with $10,500 in the middle, and the flop is the five of hearts, three of clubs, nine of clubs. So to recap, our man Berkey has the ace six of clubs, so he flops the nut flush draw, some backdoor straight draws. Troy flops some backdoor straight draws, Adelstein with some backdoor straight draws, and O'Neill with just king high. So no pairs for anyone. And now the action is on Stanley. He checks, Berkey checks, Garrett checks, O'Neill checks. Okay, so the action is on Stanley, who checks. I think, oh, well, first let's, let's talk about stacks. Stanley has 370,000. Matt has 117,000. 
Garrett has 340,000, and Bithuniel has 43,000. So I think those stacks are really important here. I think Matt would have a much better case for leading here if uh, Billy wasn't so short. Berkey's just not in a position where he can leverage any of Billy's uh, nut holdings, like any of his overpairs. And so I think he doesn't have a lot to gain from folding out Billy's overcard hands, given you know that Stanley and Garrett both have a lot of pairs, you know, as well as Billy, and none of those are going to fold. So I think Matt is incentivized to keep his opponent's ranges wide and hope for somewhat of a gin card, and he's going to have a very clear check call or possibly check raise, uh, depending on the action in front of him. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that Matt should definitely start by checking here, and I think depending on what happens, uh, both calling and raising are, are good options. And Matt agrees. He checks. And Jack, do you feel like G-Man with the Jack-7, backdoor flush draw, backdoor straight draw, or O'Neill with the two overcards should be betting here? No, this hand really picks up on the turn. I think everyone just has a pretty clear check on the flop. And so how does the turn get in string, you might ask? Well, we have, I think, probably the nut card in terms of interest. We have the six of hearts. So to recap... Stanley has queen four of spades, so now he has an open-ended straight draw. Matt has middle pair and the nut flush draw of clubs. Garrett picked up a heart draw and a gut shot to an eight. And Billy still has basically nothing. Let's talk about Stanley's decision and then talk about Stanley's range. Since Stanley does opt to bet this hand. Yeah, so Stanley bets 5,500 into 10,500. And this strikes me as like a really tough play to come out ahead with. Problem is that Berkey and Garrett both have a lot of strong hands here and none of them are folding. Some of them are raising. They'll be able to raise like a pretty wide and fairly balanced range here. And so Stanley's hand just like really can't call whenever it gets raised. And so he just shouldn't expect to have that many folds. You shouldn't expect to even be able to see that many rivers. And when he hits his hand, uh, he's going to have mostly a reverse implied odds hand and for sure not a hand with any kind of implied odds. So I think you and I would probably both agree that this is somewhat of a tough bet to see working out for Stanley. Yeah, for sure. And let's talk about his range a little bit. So if Stanley's calling with a queen four suited preflop, he's going to have just a ton of fours here. So if you're going to be betting, you know, even most fours, I think you're just going to be way too bluff heavy in this spot. Not saying he's necessarily doing that, but from the little that I've observed, that would not surprise me if he opts to bet most of his fours here. The deeper you are, the harder it is to play out of position. And the deeper you are, the harder it is to play draws out of position. And this is no exception to that spot. I just think it's going to be even betting some percentage of your fours, when you just have three professionals that are in position on you in this hand, I think it's just going to be incredibly difficult to realize your equity. So that's why I think the way I would adjust to that in Stanley's spot is, you know, pre-flop play like a very, very tight range and probably against this lineup play a three better fold strategy most of the time. Maybe you can mix in a few calls, but, you know, as, as played getting here, if I showed up with this and, you know, kind of, was the same way, was transplanted 
into the doctor's head for just a few seconds, if I was transplanted to Stanley Choi's head, I would think, okay, how did I make so much money that I can be in this game? And then I would think, okay, I'm going to check this for. And so when we're talking about Stanley's range, which, you know, obviously Matt is going to have a decision here in a second, having turned middle pair and having the nut flush draw, Stanley is normally going to continue on this board once the preflop baser checks the flop through a bet. I don't think he's going to be doing a ton of check calling. Like I think a lot of his checks are just going to be give ups. And so I think Stanley's going to be betting most, if not all of his top pair here, obviously anything two pair plus and most draws, I guess a bigger question would be like, does he bet hands like five, seven, six, seven, six, eight. And I'm unclear about those, but Matt is blocking a lot of that and also doesn't have an interest in getting those to fold. And so really Matt's decision, I think, is if he decides to call, it's because he thinks he doesn't have enough fold equity against Stanley's stronger hands, or it's just that he thinks that he wants to keep standing in the pot and that he's doing so well against his range and he's going to play Rivers so well. The calling is going to be the best play. I think another benefit of calling is you get to see how Garrett and Billy react to this bet and call. And I think that'll give Matt a lot of clarity since his hand has a lot of flexibility moving forward. It's a hand that's going to play pretty well no matter how the action goes. And so I think taking an action that's going to give you more information against the last, the later two players is going to be to his benefit. I think given his image, the fact that Garrett potentially has a lot of strong hands, uh, Stanley has plenty of strong hands, and might not even fold like many much top hair to Matt here, that Matt has a pretty clear call and that he can probably get more credit if he decides to turn his hand to a bluff at a different spot in the hand. Yeah, agreed. I, I think that this is a really good spot to call. I also think that by calling here, given how deep stacks are, uh, he's able to protect his calling range and throw in some back raises if Garrett or O'Neill were to raise. I think it's totally reasonable for... O'Neill to play a small percentage of his overpairs this way. And if we see kind of a bet from Stanley, a call from Berkey, maybe a, a call or a raise from G-Man, I just think there are a lot of spots where Berkey's going to have fold equity against better hands or hands with significant equity from G-Man or O'Neill here. So I, I like kind of calling and then evaluating and, and having kind of like the back raise be a, a possibility that is in his arsenal. Yeah, it's also nice for Matt to have some clubs here. And this is like, I think, the best clubs hand for him to call with. Other club holdings that he could have here that have a pair would be like 5-7, 5-8, maybe 6-7, 6-8. He would three-bit some of those pre-flop, I think. But not a ton because Billy has a really strong range. and I think he'd prefer just to like keep standing in the pot for the same reason he's doing so with A6. And I think those are all sort of club combo draws that you prefer to raise now since they have more reverse implied odds than implied odds. They're blocking the nuts. They just have more incentive to get folds on this street. And a little bit more equity when behind, especially to like a two-pair type hand. So yeah, I think this is a really good time to flat for, for all these reasons. And yeah, I think considering a back raise against some actions is a really awesome thing to do. 
you know, I think two hands that you could very clearly back raise for value would be seven eight of hearts and seven eight of clubs. Those are two hands that just kind of want to keep people in the pot. And once someone has indicated that like they're willing to commit, you know, any, any raise in this spot is going to be from a range that doesn't fold super, super often to a back raise. That's not necessarily true. It is true for O'Neill, who's probably only raise sizes, maybe all in, I guess. So if, if Matt can get O'Neill to shove a hand he was trapping on the flop with the nuts, I mean, that'd be awesome. Anyway, I think this, this is clearly like a club draw to keep in a calling range. And so Matt does decide to call. Just want to add that also I think having all of the sets, maybe not all combos of nines, maybe Matt three bet some of those pre, I think is pretty reasonable. With our analysis on the flop, I think O'Neill is going to be betting like all of Berkey's clear value targets uh, if he has a set. So, yeah, I think all the sets are also hands that would benefit from just calling here. I think you want to mix in some raises here, but I, I think I'd probably prefer to flat most of my sets in this spot too. So, yeah, having a nut flush plus pair to mix into that range seems very reasonable. So you're just not too value heavy here if you then call on back raise. I don't agree with we should be flatting a set. I think there's just too many really gross river cards for a set where it's going to really impede our ability to get max value. And so I don't think you need to raise a set huge. Like I definitely think you are targeting Stanley's range. You want Stanley to call, but with Matt's image, I think a set is like a clear, almost mandatory raise. Yeah, I think it. a lot of it depends on what we think Stanley Choi's betting range is. And, you know, here he happens to have a just a open ender to not the nuts. And I just think, given from what I've seen of this session with how he's playing, how many hands he's playing, what he's betting, I think when if Berkey were to raise here, he's folding the vast majority of that range. But if you allow him to continue to have the betting lead, he will likely continue to barrel off on rivers, even though there are some bad rivers for sets. And then we also allow the possibility of, like, Garrett to raise and O'Neill to shove or or raise with some either a club draw that he checked back on the flop. Maybe he'll do that some small percentage of the time and heart draws that he turned. Yeah, I just think it's a big issue when like half the deck is gonna impede Berkey's ability to value raise. Where I think he gets called by most nines if he raises now. And I don't think it's guaranteed that Stanley is just going to barrel off with like all his fours and stuff on the river. I think he's just more comfortable navigating pots through a bet. But once he's like missed, I, I don't think it's necessarily guaranteed at all that he's just going to go for it. I just still am very sold on sets being a, a raise. But I, I think you make some good points about why it's worth considering still playing a set here. Anyway, Garrett has an interesting decision I think Matt might not be flatting a ton of 9x here, but Garrett, I think, would clearly expect Matt to have a lot of one-pair hands, pair plus draw hands. Those are just the type of hands that you're expecting someone to hold. And so I think he has an interesting decision between raise or call. He's getting an excellent price. So once Matt calls, there's about 21000 in the pot. It's 5000 to call. Garrett has a flush draw and a gut shot. So he's getting 
you know, assuming all of his outs are reasonably clean, uh, he's getting direct odds to call. That being said, I think he understands that Stanley is going to be way too wide here, and I think he probably expects Matt to have a range that looks like a lot of pair plus draw hands and not a ton of knotted holdings. Like I think Garrett, like myself, would be very surprised if Matt had a set here. So what do you think? Should Garrett accept his pot odds or try and go for a semi-bluff? It's really tough for me to say which option is definitely better. I think this is a spot where both are, are pretty reasonable, but I think I lean towards making the raise. So we have Stanley that's going to have a very wide betting range here that raising can either get to get to fold or set up a profitable bluff on the river. And then with Berkey, it's interesting. It's, it's a lot about the assumptions you think are what's going to be in his range. I you know made the case that I think Berkey should be flatting a lot here you know, with sets, uh, with some straights, with hand like what he has now, uh, nut flush plus pair. And the stronger that calling range is, the less profitable it is for G-Man to raise. So it's 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 tough, but I, I think based on the game flow, Garrett can assume that Berkey is not going to have a lot of back raises here and not going to have a lot of strong hands, which is why I think it is a good spot to flat with a lot of them, or at least part of the reason from Berkey's perspective. So given kind of what Berkey's range looks like, how weak Stanley's range is, and the fact that because O'Neill checked back flop, I think he's going to be just giving up here vast majority of the time. I think uh, raising is going to be a bit better than calling, but I could probably be convinced either way. I agree. It's really close. It's a tough and interesting spot. I'm starting to lean a little bit towards a call. And I think it's because I think Matt is a lot more likely to have clubs here than hearts. Most of Matt's heart draws will either be unpaired or will have a nine. And I think Matt is pretty likely to raise nine X of hearts here against Stanley's lead, basically just purely for value. And I think his unpaired heart draws will be raising at some frequency as a bluff as well. Whereas I think because the six and the five are the hearts, Berkey is a lot more likely to have a pair and a flush draw in clubs. So I think since Garrett should be a little bit more confident that his hearts are good, uh, that makes calling more appealing. Now, I still think raising makes a lot of sense because I think you can get Stanley to fold a lot of his range. And Matt should be not necessarily totally capped, but like somewhat capped here. That being said, I think Matt is the type of player who, especially playing against someone like Stanley, is going to defend his calling range really wide. He's just not giving up that often. So Matt just understands this dynamic where he's targeting Stanley, and because he's targeting Stanley a lot through passive action to keep Stanley in the pot, that means that when he he's uh, you know raised from behind, he's going to have to defend his range a lot or else he's just going to be attacked constantly after defending against a, a weak range in Stanley. And I think Garrett should know this by now. So he should, just shouldn't expect to have a ton of fold equity against Matt. In fact, I think he should expect to get back raised at some frequency and just shouldn't expect to get Matt to fold a ton of pairs in this spot. That being said, I still think it's really close. I mean, Garrett has a huge draw. I think his hearts are likely to be live, which is, you know, Good if you call and also good if you raise. I'm leaning a little bit towards a call because I think it 
is pretty useful to keep Stanley in the pot, and I just don't think it's getting through that much on the river. Or sorry, that much on the turn. But that being said, I think it's really close, and I would not think he made a bad decision if he raised. I think some of his intuition, just from being there in the moment, would maybe make a raise more appealing to me. Well said, Jack. So he opts to go for a raise. He makes it 22000 So just to recap the action, the pot was 10500 Stanley Choi bet out for 5500 Berkey called. So Garrett makes a little bit under a pot size raise. And I like kind of the smaller sizing if we're going to be raising in this spot just to kind of account for the times that we get three bet by Stanley or that Berkey back raises. In G-Man's mind, I'm probably more concerned with Berkey back raising than Stanley three betting, just based on how wide Stanley's range is getting to that spot and what his actual betting range looks like. So I like the sizing of the raise. So Stanley doesn't think for too long and folds. And now I think we come to probably, to me, the most interesting decision of the hand. Right. Before we get to this... Matt's decision facing the raise. I just want to say a couple more things about Garrett's spot. Uh, one, I think choosing the smaller sizing is really good because I think Garrett should be pretty merged in this spot. Like, I think this is a really good spot to value raise, like strong 9x. One other thing I want to mention about his hand specifically is that it blocks the nuts, which is nice. And I think it's a reason to potentially raise a hand like Jack 7 of hearts and not raise a hand like jack deuce of hearts if garrett has that which he might i don't know if he would necessarily fold that out of the straddle i think it'd be a pretty reasonable hand to call okay so here's really the crux of the hand stanley i think has a very clear fold he does so and matt is getting a very good price to call but i think he's also doing pretty well against garrett's range and i think there's definitely a case for back raising here. So just to recap, the pot is just under 45,000 and it is a little, it's about 18,000 to call. So yeah, there's 18,000 to call and Berkey's the effective stack with another 110k behind. I want to make the case for, for back raising here. In line with what I was saying before, I think Berkey has a lot of strong value hands that he is going to want to, to flat here and then back raise. So I think to help protect that range, adding in hands like like this is going to be good. And then I think with this specific hand, just the pair plus nut flush draw, that hand alone I think is probably a favorite against G-Man's raising range here. And by shoving now, it allows us to realize our equity as well as I think definitely get folds from better hands sometimes. I think it's going to be pretty difficult to play out of position. I think G-Man's going to play... I don't know about perfectly, but fairly close to perfectly being in position uh, if we just flat here. And there's just, uh, if if we're Berkey and we don't hit a club, we don't hit an ace or a six, I think we have a lot of, of tough decisions. And that alone isn't reason to, to re-raise, but I think the, the stronger reason is we're just a, a favorite against, this hand. This specific hand is a favorite against Garrett's range, and we have some fold equity against better hands. So I think we should uh, go for it. Another thing about Garrett's sizing is that he might have been aware that Berkey was going to be thinking about back raising with some of his range. And I think he chose a really good sizing to defend against that since Matt has to make really a kind of a big back raise because his only 
I think real sizing is all in. So if if Matt ships 110k here, I think Garrett's going to play pretty well against that raise. He'll definitely fold out some equity, which is good for Matt. I think Matt's going to get it in solid against a lot of Garrett's range of defense, and he might get some better hands like 9x to fold. That being said, I don't know if Garrett will fold a 10 of 9x here. I think the main reason, though, I like calling with Matt's hand is that I think Garrett is pretty likely to rep clubs. And so I think Matt has like a super kind of a lot of gin cards. Anytime a club comes, he obviously wins or almost certainly wins. And I think he would expect Garrett to think that when he calls that he's going to be 9x dense. And a lot of players would be 9x dense calling Stanley and then calling G-Man, like have a lot of 9-8 and 9-7. And so I think Berkey is going to get the max a lot when the club comes in, you know, not to mention the times that Garrett has clubs. And obviously Matt wouldn't want to fold out uh, Garrett's club hands. I would guess also that Matt is going to feel pretty comfortable bluff catching on good amount of river cards. I think like a deuce... Three, five, six, ace are all very clear cards that he can, not heart, that is, that he can bluff catch. I think a 10 is probably a pretty safe card to bluff catch as well. And then he could decide for himself if he thinks Garrett would value bet a jack, queen, king that he like hit with hearts or something. But I think those cards would also be reasonable to bluff catch on, depending on sizing. So in terms of back raising, I think a big part of why back raising could be the best play is if... Garrett's going to have a range of hands that bet folds that Matt's behind right now. I'm just not sure that's the case, and I'm curious like what hands you were thinking of that might do that. So 9x of hearts is what comes to me first. and But thinking about it a little bit more, yeah, I don't think there's actually that, based on the preflop action, that large of a range of better hands that Garrett's going to fold. I think it's more hands with like significant equity. So in this, in this exact case... The Jack Seven of Hearts versus Berkey's A Six of Clubs. Garrett has forty percent equity, so I think a lot of the value is actually in like equity protection more so than getting better hands to fold. But yeah, so I think hands that we really want to fold by back raising that I think at least have a decent chance of are nine X of Hearts. But maybe in this spot, Garrett's just that's like too strong of a hand against Berkey. I'm never folding three X of Hearts. You know, he's in the straddle. I think he's going to have a basically all suited hands and then combo draws with hearts like he has now or like ace x of hearts i think those are all hands that we really want to fold and i think with maybe the exception of nine x of hearts will but kind of talking through it now and thinking about the fact that even though they're this deep just given the game dynamic i think garrett just might just kind of go with the nine x of hearts i think that definitely makes a better case for calling but what my intuition says is that given all of the equity that Berkey can get to fold out from hands that are worse, like the case we have now, uh, the back raise is going to be the best play. Yeah, I do think it's close. I, I think a problem, a problem we haven't really talked about enough with back raising is that similarly to how I don't think that Garrett would ever fold 9x of hearts, I think Garrett also clearly has a good amount of two-pair I mean, he just has a lot of really strong hands here, and those are never folding. And so there's such a big range of hands that like we're kind of punting against that I think just raising and bluff catching 
is going to be the move. Uh, especially since I think we have really sick implied odds. Yeah, sorry, calling and block catching. Thanks, Zach. Yeah, talking through it further, I'm, I'm convinced. I like the call, but it definitely definitely is close. Would love to hear Berkey's rationale. So Matt does call, and then that leads to a pot of $62,000 with an SPR of a little under two behind. And the river is the three of hearts, pairing the board, bringing in hearts, and giving Garrett the best hand. So I think if you're going to be calling in the spot for Matt, you're going to want to probably check your range on every card. I could definitely see an argument for betting some cards, but I think almost certainly this is a card you're going to be want to be checking. Yeah, with with Matt's specific hand, I think we're going to be probably checking all rivers after calling, especially because I think a big part of the reason that we called was because we thought we were going to induce bluffs on club rivers, and so we wouldn't want to like donk those for sure. I think with a good amount of match range should be leading on like a nine, but probably leading very small because Garrett is, although I think he's merged somewhat on the turn, the turn raise, I do think like he's still mostly going to be like ahead or behind a bear nine when that comes in. Anyway, Matt in this hand, I think has a pretty clear check fold. You know, he's just not beating much. He blocks clubs. And I think Garrett also has a very clear bet for value. Matt checks. Garrett bets 50K. Matt gives him the needle that he was calling on hearts, which almost certainly would have been right. Uh, sorry, would have been calling on non-hearts. It would have very likely been right. I don't think Garrett was betting the seven or necessarily the jack for value. And yeah, I thought, the, I thought Matt played this pot really well. And it's it's a unique spot. And it's, it's the kind of spot that comes up when you have a player like Stanley in the mix if it were just if you could always play heads up with the action player, then it would be a much easier game. But no, sometimes you have a really, really good pro behind making life difficult. And I thought Matt navigated this spot really well, given the circumstance. Yeah, I think some of the most interesting spots for me, both as a player and as a, an observer, are when you have like a big action player or a big spot. And, you know, two very good players or in this case, you know, two very much kind of elite deep stack cash game pros so i really enjoy this hand really enjoyed the dead money series in poker go and i'm uh, looking forward to seeing some some more awesome hands analyzing some more uh, with you jack 